Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Fade. Friday, June 7th, 2013. Today we are going to be covering, or at least begin to start covering, one of the most convoluted stories I've ever run across in the history of reporting on the degenerate church. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, I want to build off of what we were talking about yesterday. The theme for yesterday, and, and like I told you yesterday, yesterday's episode and today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, in a, in a lot of senses, work together. And we're going to continue with this concept of anthropocentric versus Christocentric. You know, it's not that this is part two of the episode, but it's really all one big episode when you play it all together. And you, especially when you get to the good sermon that we'll play at the end of the uh, program today, you'll see the con, uh, the contrast. When we're dealing with error, when we are dealing with false teaching, false teaching is always that teaching that takes your eyes off of Christ. You no longer are grasping by faith onto the promises of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, and salvation. But instead, you are focusing on you, and Jesus has become a means to an end for a better life here and now. Now, I understand that each and every one of us suffers. Each and every one of us goes through difficulties in life. And oftentimes, you know, well, God disciplines us. Not that he's uh, punishing us for our sins, but often God, God is a father who disciplines us. And suffering oftentimes is a means by which God uses to work sanctification in our life. Yeah, this is a biblical concept. I would, if you want to look at, look it up, get your your computerized Bible, type in suffering or suffer and any derivative that comes, you know, through it, you know, you know, character produces hope, you know, things like that. Suffering produces perseverance, you know, perseverance, character, character, hope, things of that nature. And so oftentimes um, Christ is exalted, not in our strength. In fact, it's quite the opposite in our weakness. Weaknesses. And so Christianity, when you look at the message of Christianity, biblical Christianity, through the millennia, 
through the millennia. Biblical Christianity has been around since the establishing of the church. In fact, you can even argue that the Old Testament church, that's a good way to talk about it, um, you know, was Christianity in its, in its, in, you know, in its truest form, uh, prior to the completion of the canon. Everybody who's saved from, you know, from righteous Abel, Adam, Eve, you know, Abraham, all of them are saved by faith, trusting in God regarding the promises that he had given in the Old Testament, uh, looking forward to the coming Messiah, the one who would crush the head of the serpent, uh, the seed of the woman who would destroy the works of the devil, trusting in that promised one and what he would do. We look backwards in time and look at what Christ has accomplished, and uh, we've seen the fulfillment of those prophecies, and yet there's a second group of prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled, and that's pertaining to Christ's uh, return in glory to judge the living and the dead. That That is going to be happening uh, sooner uh, then it well then it would have happened you know two thousand years ago yet we've been living in the end times since Christ ascended into heaven when's Jesus coming back yeah I don't know I have no clue when he's coming back it could be tomorrow it could be you know a thousand four thousand five thousand ten thousand years from now I don't know when Jesus is going to return um, I am not one of God's counselors and neither are you and God doesn't see fit to you know key key and clue me in on uh, you know the big things that he's up to that you know listen god is god and he doesn't need me or you to help him or advise him and uh, he's he's given us all the same information uh, to let us know that the time is close at hand when it will be close at hand for Christ's imminent return do i think some of those things may be manifesting himself themselves now in our time maybe um i i you know i look at the uh, the imminent sign of Christ's return to be the apostasy. You know, uh, the you know, the great apostasy prophesied by the Apostle Paul under the influence of the Holy Spirit or inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit uh, in uh, in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, talking about the man of lawlessness and how God will send a strong delusion on those who refuse to love the truth and how, uh, you know, that there will be a great falling away. When you read the Apostle Paul's prophecies regarding a time coming when people will not endure sound doctrine but will gather for themselves teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. I, I think we're living in days that, well, sound exactly like that. We, well, there's a lot of ear scratching, ear, ear tingling, um, you know, ear, well, you, you get what I'm saying. All of it in the name of Jesus. And again, the dividing line on this, sorry, I don't mean to use. Um, Dr. White's term, but the dividing line on this is whether or not the object of your faith is you and your faith, which is faith in your faith, which is ridiculous, or faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his promises regarding the forgiveness of sins. Now, does that mean that, uh, you know, that God doesn't care about what happens in the here and now? Of course not. Scripture is very clear that God cares about the here and now. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, the daily prayer that he gave us, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount makes it clear that he knows our needs. God knows our needs. And he says to not fret and to feather about, uh, fetter about these things, but instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things They'll be added to you. God knows that you need them. He knows your needs and what you and and what exactly you need to get through today. 
And so he promises to meet your needs. He doesn't promise you a mansion. He doesn't promise you fame, affluence, wealth, you know, great adventure, although you may experience some of that. Results may vary, they, they say. But each and every one of us has been given by God uh, you know, as Christians, to love and serve our neighbors in our different vocations, vocation of father, of mother, of husband, of wife, of student, of child, of employee or employer. You know, these are the ways in which we serve our neighbor day to day in the offices that God has put us into. And so all of our good works, for the most part, are, are done within the, that framework. And you need to see them as good works because Scripture says that they are. But where the ear scratchers come in you know they want to tell you listen those those rascally worthless traditional orthodox preachers who focus on dogma and doctrine they're holding out on you they're not telling you something you need to know and that's this god has something spectacular planned for you he has a big vision for your life he wants you to because you are so important i mean i think come on god dwells in you and jesus you know i mean you were purchased with the blood of christ that means that you are absolutely spectacular and of course that message paraphrase ephesians 2 10 says you are god's masterpiece so dream again and god wants to be there along your uh, you know next to you to give you glory right yeah that's the theology of man glory not the theology of god's glory and it is so appealing and so seductive and they wrap it up in christian words in order to hide its true nature and yet its nature is not anything to do with biblical christianity it doesn't point you to jesus it points you to you and teaches you that you are just the bee's knees and yet scripture calls all of us to repent and to be forgiven in Christ. So strange things are happening today. Now what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, you know, I, I, I want to kind of bear this out in a couple of ways. We'll, we'll ha- and we'll, I'll throw something in there for a little bit of <laughs> just, you know, eye-rolling goofiness uh, you know, in, in the middle of today's program. But what we're going to do is uh, we're going to do a money-grubbing televangelist update. We're going to be listening to uh, Cheryl Brady, who is uh, one of the female pastrixes who uh, who who is uh, often called upon by Bishop T.D. Jakes to you know preach at the Potter's House as well as be a regular featured speaker at the Woman Thou Art Loosed conferences. And uh, we're going to be listening to Cheryl Brady literally narcissistic this is narcissistic eisegete uh the story of sarah you know you remember the story of abraham and sarah how sarah you know she got to be 100 something years old and you know didn't have any children of her own and yet god had promised that uh you know a child coming from her would you know would be given to her you know to abraham and her all of that and this is an absolutely fascinating case study in very good rhetoric, good dramatic presentation and skill and showmanship. And yet there isn't a single word of truth in what she's saying. It's absolutely 
diabolical. You know, you, you need to listen to it. And then what we'll do is we'll we have a Cindy Jacobs update that we need to do today. Uh, Cindy Jacobs, have you heard her uh, recent video that she did on the Leviathan spirit? <laughs> this is a case study in looniness. I mean, it's so bizarre and really weird what she says that even the Huffington Post has held it up as something to just kind of scratch your head and go, what? And then um, and then the third segment that we'll do in the first hour today um, th- this is a story I'm ju- I really haven't been up to speed on, but we've talked about it a little bit. Down in the Pacific Rim, the, the uh, South Pacific, you know, that would be like uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand, Singapore, Thailand, you know, that, that Pacific, uh, Southern Pacific Rim area. Um, there is, in Singapore, a church called City Harvest Church. And City Harvest Church has been pastored by a guy by the name of Kong Hee. We've talked about Kong Hee before, and Kong Hee is in heap big trouble with the Singaporean authorities uh, because we're talking somewhere in the tune of 50 million Singaporean dollars um, have been diverted illegally from a building fund for the City, uh, City Harvest Church at least this is the allegations uh, from the building fund at City Harvest Church to the to help support the aspiring musical career of uh, Kang Hee's wife, whose name is Sun Ho. And I don't want to give the whole story here, but we're gonna we're gonna kind of walk through some of this stuff today. And this is one of those stories that just makes you want to scratch your head and go, "What is going on?" And I think this is the epitome of the perfect. You know, the, uh, what's fascinating is there's a whole bunch of prominent, world, um, seeker-driven, prosperity heresy pastors who are, you know, coming to the defense of and encouraging Kong Hee and Sun Ho. And there's they should, nobody who calls himself a Christian should be coming to their defense, especially when you find out what what is on the public record already. And um, and it's just absolutely fascinating. But Kong Hee and Sun Ho, I think, represent you know a, a a you know a couple from Singapore who's basically living out the theology that's being preached in so many churches today. And the problem is, is that the money, uh, it, the, the what they did to, in order to fund the lifestyle that uh, that's being preached in so many churches today. Uh, it, well, it's this to say, bookkeeping funny business is a good way to put it. So we'll, we'll kind of bring you up to speed on that particular story although it's again it's pretty bizarre and crazy and then in hour number two as promised we're going to be listening to a good christ-centered sermon and it's by pastor gervais nicholas edward charmley and the text that he's preaching from is from the book of second kings it's an old testament text and the name of the sermon is called the wages of sin and i've got to tell you this is the epitome of a Christ-centered sermon. And you're thinking, well, he's preaching from an Old Testament text. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And when you hear how he ties Jesus into this story, you, first of all, you're going to be comforted. Second, you're going to be blown away. Third, you're going to realize it's brilliant. How Pastor Charmley segues from the Old Testament book of of Second Kings into Christ is it's it's sublime. It is so good. But that the reason I'm putting this out there is I want you to hear a sermon 
you know, with, with with all of this fresh in mind anthropocentric stuff that we've been talking about here on Fighting for the Faith for the cl- past two days, I want you to hear a Christocentric sermon preached not from a gospel text, but from an Old Testament text. And when you see how this is done and you realize what a true Christ-centered sermon sounds like uh, in light of all this anthropocentric stuff, the contrast couldn't be starker. This is one of the things we do here to help teach these concepts is by showing you the contrast. Pastor Charmley's Sermon is a is the epitome of a theology of the cross, not the theology of self glory. Big difference, and see that's the thing. Anthropocentric preaching is all about self glory. Christ centered preaching is is you know you can say it's the theology of the cross, and it exalts Christ and His sufferings and what He's done for you and calls you to repent. It says what a thing really is rather than blowing smoke at you and trying to create the illusion uh, that think that God really just wants, you know, most spectacular things here in this cursed creation for you. That's not the biblical gospel. So we have a lot of ground to cover. And because what we're going to be hearing is so crazy and bizarre, especially here in the first hour, it's important that I do this. Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. Don't want no lovin', don't want no kissin', don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the Hall of Fame, just want a big fat pile of money. Give me that almighty dollar for that lettuce, hear me holler. Give me buckets full of ducats, let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. Elder Nero, wanna be a millionaire, give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition, that's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits, I'm a demon in addition. Give me shackles, give me pesos, let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of oof and whistle for wearing it green. I got that monetary itis, like speeches, like he minus. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. And there's some I can and beagle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. That's right. This is our money-grubbing televangelist update back. music. I'm a paper bill inspector. I'm a savage for that cabbage man. To me, it's golden nectar. Pour that filthy lucre on me. Spread those loving germs upon me. Money, 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 money. And if they ever plant trees of enormous euros, I want to be the guy that they send out to prove That's Dr. T from The Muppet Show. Uh, money, money, money. 
All right. Now, all of that is to introduce uh, our uh, televangelist today. This would be Cheryl Brady. She is a gal who's in cahoots and is a go-to person when it comes to uh, uh, things done with well, Bishop T.D. Jakes. And she's one of the standard speakers, not only at the Potter's House from time to time, filling in for Bishop Jakes, but uh, Cheryl Brady is also one of those folks who often speaks at uh, the Woman Thou Art Loosed conferences. And just, you got to marvel at her showmanship. I mean, she is just dramatic. She knows how to draw you in emotionally as she plays something out. And she's going to be narcissizing, that's narcissistic eisegesis, uh, narcissizing the story of Sarah and how she wasn't able to have a baby. And she's going to play fast and loose with it and transition the story to somehow be an allegory about you learning how to, well, dream again and stuff like that. Because, of course, we all know you have it in you. At least that's kind of the, the the punchline to all of this. So without any further ado, here is Cheryl Brady from the 2012 uh, kind of highlight reel of the uh, Woman Thou Art Loosed conference. Here we go. Is going through the change of life. So if he does heal me, it's too late now. This is, she's talking about Sarah. You know, if God heals me, it's too late now. She's gone through the change in life. Women, uh, not a conference full of women in the audience. It's too late. I've been through too much now. I've, I've, I've already closed the book, decided I'm never going to do what I thought I was going to do. And I'm never going to be who I thought I was going to be. I've watched all my friends have babies. I've watched all of them wrap those babies up, bring them over, we've played with them. But at the end of the day, they go... Notice the sappy music in the background. This performance has a soundtrack. Home with their mamas. I'm, it's just me. Me and Abraham. So that's not... It's just not... It's too late. It can't happen for me now. So I'm just going to put it out of my mind. Sarah, little by little, has rocked whatever faith she had. She has rocked it to sleep and tucked it into the bed. Because I remember Bishop making the statements one time and it rocked my world. He said, because when you really want something and you can't get it, the next best thing to do is not want it anymore. to sleep what have you determined was never going to happen to you you see now this is all about you I mean what dreams have you rocked to sleep you know your dreams are babies now and when she rocked that desire to sleep tucked it in the bed wouldn't you know it here comes God to her tent door. Don't, don't tell me, don't tell me it's going to happen. 
don't because if you tell me if you if you stir me up and if you challenge me if I come to woman thou art loose you're going to make me dream again you're going to make me believe again you're going to make me hope again and that's what um yeah this is a weird retelling of the story of um of God's visit to Abraham and the announcement that she would have a baby. This is a weird retelling of the story from Genesis. In fact, it doesn't sound anything like the Genesis account at all. I don't want to do it anymore because then I got to fight again and I'm tired of fighting. I can't fight anymore. What have you rendered unconscious so that you don't have to hurt anymore? So that you don't have to want anymore. So that you don't have to dream anymore. So that you don't have to hope anymore. She has cried her faith to sleep. Um, What text says that Sarah cried her faith to sleep? I don't recall a single passage that says that, even conceptually. Um, And then again, how is this story of Sarah somehow about you and your dreams for your life? Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with that at all. Sarah, hey, Sarah, God's out here. Come, come, come out here. God wants to see you. I am not coming out, Abraham. I am tired about hearing, hearing about all of these descendants, 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 descendants. Look, there are no descendants. What descendants, Abraham? What? I've lived my whole life on promises. It's promise after promise after promise after promise. And, and, And now I finally realize I've been denied of the one thing that I wanted more than anything. Why me? Why have I given up so much? Yeah, I don't recall this particular monologue um on the lips of sarah like not at all um wow to only be able to possess so little well if she won't come out will you tell her that i'm still gonna do what i told her i was gonna do talking to but that's what i feel like god told me to tell somebody yeah really you felt god telling you to tell somebody that Uh uh-huh that's why you practiced and rehearsed this entire speech including the uh, soundtrack that goes along with this particular well performed um monologue somebody in here although biblically it's absolutely abhorrent somebody watching over the internet god said tell them cheryl i'm still while they tripping while they're wringing their hands while they're rendering everything unconscious tell them i'm still gonna do everything i told them i was going you are hearing him today so rather than hearing the good news of what Christ has really done for you, now we have an imaginary God speaking imaginary words to a woman who has perform- done a very good job of rehearsing this performance. And uh, everyone's being comforted with, um, well, if you think about it, nothing. They're being comforted with nothing. You know, this uh, fairy God that spoke to Cheryl Brady told her to tell you that uh, all those things he's promised you, just like he promised to Sarah, he's going to do them. Yeah, that, wow, that's not helpful at all because God hasn't really told me he's going to do anything. You understand that? At least not to me personally. 
Um, the promises I trust in are the ones written in the scriptures. I said you are hearing him today. If you don't even want to come out of your tent, he brought you here. He brought us here to tell you he's still going to do it for you. Yeah, this is all about who? You. Yeah, that's right. You. For your glory. You know. God found you today. He found you in this room. He sent his word. He sent his word and healed your disease. The band even knows that, you know, we're now up to the climax of this particular performance. I mean, oh, yeah, this is... This. I've seen movies that aren't nearly as dramatic and well-performed as this particular performance is. That's the glory! Lift up your hands! Here comes a fresh breath! Fresh wind! Healing is coming to your house! Yeah, um... So there you go. Again, another <clears throat> poignant example of very popular level. I mean, Cheryl um, Brady, um, she, that that was a packed stadium that she was um, preaching in. Yeah, if you can call it that. Okay, we, right now, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to, we got a Cindy Jacobs update, and then we're going to start to unpack, we'll probably have to do it over several episodes, the story of Kong He, City Harvest Church, and Sun Ho. Yeah, it's a little complicated. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Jesus wasn't looking for affirmation. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> it's Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. of Marty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to again apologize. Normally we try to do parody here at Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, the church continues to just parody itself. Case in point, Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed shofar CD. This is a real commercial. When Rabbi Michael Zeitler blows the shofar, miracles take place. He wants to see God break every stronghold of the enemy in your life, healing you emotionally, physically, even in your relationships, bringing salvation to your entire household. Call now and receive both Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed audio CD, Sound of the Shofar, plus his brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, for a donation of $25. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9081. Listen to this anointed audio CD. Allow God's glory to fill the room as Rabbi 
Rabbi Zeitler shares from the scriptures and then blows the shofar over every issue you are facing, including mental and emotional disorders, confusion, fear, stress, grief, nightmares, insomnia, pain, sickness and disease, addictions, eating disorders, weight loss, injustices, persecution, finances, marriages, rebellious children, freedom from the occult and demonic oppression, and so much more. Through Rabbi Zeitler's brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural, you will learn how you and your family can obtain supernatural protection in the midst of the end time judgments about to be unleashed on planet earth. Don't miss out on getting both Rabbi Michael Zeitler's anointed audio CD Sound of the Shofar, plus his brand new prophetic book, Why Israel is Supernatural. For a donation of $25, shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9081. Call or write today. Have you purchased your airline tickets for your summer getaway yet? If not, don't pay more for your airfare, hotel room, or rental car than you need to. Long-time Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air is your one-stop shop for all of your travel needs. And we've got a special promo code for you to use at Cheapo Air to save an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, then click on the web banner and book your travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That website address, again, is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. And thank you for your support. Cowabunga. Mark your calendar now for April 25, 26, and 27, 2014. You see, it's not too soon to be making your plans, saving your pennies, and asking for work off April 25, 26, and 27 of 2014 for the 11th annual Branson Worldview Weekend. This past year, we had people from all over the country and actually from other countries join us in the beautiful rolling hills of Branson, Missouri. So if you're looking to attend the premier Understanding the Times Biblical Worldview Weekend and join us April 25, 26, and 27 of 2014 for the Branson Worldview Weekend. It's for all ages. Children 11 and under are free. We also have a group rate and a family rate. The Worldview Weekends have been around since 1993. So we're one of the oldest Biblical Worldview conferences in America. So mark your calendar now for Branson, Missouri, April 25, 26, and 27, 2014. Warning, um, pastors and pastrixes who point you to you and tell you all about you, not Christ, they're deceiving you and sending you to hell in the name of Jesus. Weird, huh? Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, Fighting for the Faith. 
Com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month. That's it. To the ongoing work and mission of fighting for the faith and pirate Christian radio. Of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button. Or you can make your gift payable to fighting for the faith. And then send it to post office box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 460 It's time for a uh, Cindy Jacobs update, so let's do this. Chief, mate, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice. The genes have been sliced. They're pinky. They're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're pinky and the brain. Yes, pinky and the brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. All right, that's our uh, New Apostolic Reformation update music. And we use that whenever we're introducing somebody like, you know, Cindy Jacobs or, you know, Apostle Chuck Pierce. And, uh... Cindy Jacobs has begun to put together these short little videos on Vimeo called 10-Minute Prayer School. And here she's going to tell us about the Leviathan spirit. So, in fact, I can't even properly present this or set it up for you. You just got to experience it for yourself. So, without any further ado, here's... Cindy Jacobs of the Generals International and her 10-minute prayer school on how to overcome and defeat and deal with the Leviathan spirit. Yeah, here we go. Hi, we're doing a special edition of 10-minute prayer school. The Lord put a subject on my heart and it's kind of not beginning, not advanced, but you know, we will use... Oh yeah, right. God put this on your heart. After hearing this video, I'm convinced God was not the one who laid this on your heart. Is it... Uh, in our schools, and we'll just offer it, you know, free. But the subject is called the Leviathan spirit. Now, why are we doing this? Because Yeah, that's a great question. Because I have seen this spirit tearing up so many people's lives that I am just really feel from the Lord that I should teach it. We're going to do it in just... You've seen this spirit tearing up people's lives, and you feel from the Lord that this is something you need to deal with. This is not a good start. In fact, if somebody starts off a Bible teaching this way, what you're about to hear isn't actually from the Bible. Run! You're going to be deceived. The nugget form, then we can offer the full-blown um, CDs or DVDs that we have on this. And oh, so, let's- yeah, that's the reason why you felt from the Lord that you should talk about this. You know, to help slumping sales of your DVD on the Leviathan spirit. Got it, yeah. Let's begin. This is a territorial spirit that is very active today. Today and a good okay, so the Leviathan spirit is a territorial spirit. How do you know this again? A biblical study of this activity, how to combat it, is very important. Yeah, we're going to study from Job forty-one as our text as we look at this. Job forty-one talks about the Leviathan spirit. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Passage of scripture, we will see that it looks like there is a, a created being or a natural being at first addressed, but then uh, we will see supernatural attributes given to this creature that cannot be a natural being. We call this the law of double reference, where there is both a natural and a supernatural being that can control natural circumstances in one passage. And we'll the, the law of double reference, okay. See this as we go along. This spirit, what does it do? I wrote down some of the things. I'm convinced it's a cause of divorce, tribal wars, church splits, family feuds, sibling rivalries. Oh, we better take this thing out then. I mean, if it's causing divorce and sibling rivalries, I mean, whew. Yeah, this, this, this thing's been busy. Ministries breaking up. It is more responsible, I believe, than any other spirit. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like one of those cold case, you know, spirit investigative unit type of things here. Yeah, she's very convinced that this is a spirit that's been out there um, <laughs> causing all kinds of mischief and mayhem. And more so than it's this fact that we need to probably get a... A wanted poster put up. Um, it, we put it out there, you know, at all the different post offices. You know, America's most wanted spirit. You know, the cause of divorce and sibling rivalry. The Leviathan spirit. If you've seen this spirit, then call Cindy Jacobs quick. And as I begin to teach just in a brief way, you will see how this uh, works. The spirit is particularly active when there's been some kind of worship of the crocodile worship of the serpent. We, many, we know many animists that worship the serpent or Central America, the, uh, Mexico, the flying serpent, and uh, even the crocodile. So the Leviathan spirit is present wherever there's been, you know, worship of crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where is she getting this? Crocodile that's mentioned, a water spirit's a leviathan, is a water spirit. Oh, okay, so it's a water spirit. So it's all wet, got it. Particularly active will be when you live near bodies of water. Many cultures actually... You know, there's a retention pond not too far from my house. I mean, do you think there's a leviathan spirit in there? To release water spirits into their waterways. Uh, we see this in Japan, for instance. Um, of course, I mentioned Africa, where they actually worship uh, water spirits such as the crocodile. And uh, we need to understand, as you pray for this, I wrote this down. I think it's very important. Yeah. If you have in your bloodline any animus, any Native American blood, for instance, um, not all Native Americans worship the serpent or crocodile. Many did. But you might want to renounce that and repent for that generational iniquity. If you, um, <laughs> you, you what you want? Okay. <sighs> so, uh, folks, you better get on to ancestry.com and uh, and check to see if in your past, you know, uh, your family tree, there were any animists. Yeah, because. They may have worshipped a water spirit, and you need to repent of their generational iniquity. I am going to beat my head against something here. You are perhaps you're Mexican, and you you might have indigenous blood in you. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> going with our you know our America's most wanted. Um, you know, spirits you know, idea here. You know, she's engaging in racial profiling now regarding water spirits. 
I don't, <laughs> I don't think this is allowed anymore. You know, with today's political correct society. Yeah. Oh, this is this is a faux pas. Are, are Mayan blood? Those who men have been Aztec blood anyway, you need to repent for the sin of animism before you begin to deal with this spirit. Yeah, but what if they haven't actually themselves committed the sin of animism? The, the one sin that is imputed to us from our ancestor, by the way, is the sin of Adam. Um, this is true. All of us are born dead in trespasses and sin as a result of Adam. In Adam, all fell. And so, um, but I don't see anywhere in scripture a call for us to repent of a previous generation's idolatry, except for we're not to engage in that ourselves. If we're guilty of it, we need to repent and be forgiven. But this is bizarre. Because it'll be very active in your bloodline. We know that some of the totem poles, even in the north of America and the Virginias and places like that would have the crocodile in their totem poles. So if in the totems there are a, there is a crocodile spirit, uh, you can can say that there would could be a very strong spirit. It makes me wonder when it comes to Cindy uh, Jacobs here, I, it just makes me wonder if there are any crackpots in her generational line because she apparently has clearly not repented of any crackpot spirits. Yeah, it's very clear here that, that oh, we got some generational curses going on with her. Spirit of Leviathan operating in that area if it has meant not been dealt with as a territorial spirit. If you're not certain what territorial spirits are, you can log on to the USRPN and subscribe to the Vance School and learn about territorial spirits. Yeah, if I needed to know about territorial spirits, don't you think the Bible wouldn't have everything I need to know about territorial spirits? Mm-hmm. The light and spirit breaks down communication. It's a twisting spirit. Ah, it's a twi- so it's a kind of a twisted, wet water spirit of flying, okay, that's attached to crocodiles and snakes. Okay. This is what we see in Leviathan. And what happens is when someone will try to speak to someone else, the spirit gets behind it, twists, distorts the conversation. So one person will say, I said this. The other person will come back and said, oh, no, you said this. Why is that happening? The Leviathan spirit. That's the culprit. Oh, this we, we, we need to issue an all points bulletin on this. There is a distortion in communication, and you will never be able to remedy it with natural remedies because each person heard or said a certain thing, and the other person will say, no, you said this, because why? That spirit got between the two of you, and it actually spoke that other thing that is opposition even to maybe what you're trying to say, how you're trying to communicate it. Maybe the reason why Cindy Jacobs sounds like somebody who's completely lost to you know, when it comes to lucid thought is because there was a Leviathan spirit between her and the video camera as she was recording this. In fact, she was actually giving a PhD-level dissertation that would, would have won the Nobel Prize for just pure lucid thought, except... But between her and the camera, there was a Leviathan spirit that twisted all of her words and makes her sound like somebody who's a complete nut job. Oh, man, this is quite a clever and rascally spirit, if you know what I mean. Uh, And so we need to learn how to deal with this demonic spirit. And so if we have any spirits that were, you know, for instance, in families where you just can't deal with things or between friends, don't you go to counselors, you're trying to fix it. Nothing seems to remedy it. You can almost be sure 
the Leviathan spirit is behind it. Let's look at Je- Yeah, we you know what we need? We need some Leviathan um repellent. Is that's that's what we need. You know, I can't wait to hear what she's going to do with Job 41 to prove about the spirit of Leviathan. Oh, my. (laughs) Brace yourselves. We're going in. Job 41, 1 and 2 says, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? In other words, you can't fix this in a natural way. <laughs> oh man, that is that is just pathetic. Anyway, um, yeah, your Bible. Um, we gotta add a little context here. <laughs> Chapters forty and forty-one. Okay, um. <clears throat> Listen to this. This is God speaking to Job. And the Lord said to Job, this is at the tail end of the book of Job. There's a a major thing going on here, right? And um, and here's what God says. Job chapter 40, verse 2. Then we'll take a look at 41. Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of a small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, but I will not answer twice. But I proceed no further. And then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God and Can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then I will also acknowledge you that you, that your own right hand can save you. Behold, behemoth. So this is God speaking. Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you. He eats like grass, like an ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar and the sinews of his thighs are knit together and his bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword. For the mountains yield food for him where all the wild beasts play. Under the lotus plants he lies in the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh. For his shade the lotus trees cover him. The willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. He is confident. Though Jordan rushes against his mouth, can one take him by uh, take him by his eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? So here we have Behemoth and Leviathan. 
And, you know, when you talk to the guys at Answers in Genesis, they'll say, well, this sounds like what we're dealing with here is God's describing dinosaurs or, you know, very large beasts of that type, right? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you with soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him uh, to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird, or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Behold, the hope of man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one who is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Okay, so that's part of God's conversation with Job. And he's pointing to beasts, very large beasts, and, you know, pointing out that he's the one who made them. Okay, all of this is to, well, in a sense, shut Job up here and humble him, right? That's what's going on in the text. So when we get to Job chapter 41, we're not talking about water spirits or demons or anything of the sort. Cindy Trim clearly is suffering from a water spirit here that's twisting her words. When she gave this speech, she was in her own mind speaking lucid thoughts, but see, the the, the water spirit got a hold of them and just twisted them around, so she sounds like a complete fool. And many times I've seen that. We have dealt with this uh, Leviathan spirit many, many times when we've been working with other ministries where we suddenly things blow up over something very small and you can't figure out what's wrong. And so so if you understand there's a demonic spirit that is trying to stop your communication, stop your covenantal relations, you can bind that spirit. And then after that, after we would do that, then everybody communicate. It is- oh, man. <laughs> enough. Enough. I can't handle any more. Yeah. Um we're gonna we're just gonna need to move along. We're just gonna need to move along there. I can only handle so much non lucid, bizarre thinking. And all of this is supposedly, you know, Christian stuff from a Christian woman. Of course it's Doctor Cindy Jacobs, which <laughs> I don't know who on earth issued her a PhD, but uh, we need to bring them up on charges. Apparently they're putting out uh, cheap products into the marketplace, if you know what I mean. Moving along. Now I do not have um update music for this. I don't. However, what I'm going to do in this next segment is I'm going to begin walking you through something that needs to be walked through. And that is um, the story of Kong Hee and Sun Ho. Now, we've talked about Kong Hee in the past here at Fighting for the Faith. And the context in which we've talked about Kong Hee happens to be, uh, you know, in regards to the scandal that has been going on that we've covered a little bit of the story here at Fighting for the Faith. And it has to do with uh, the fact that the Singaporean authorities have uh, filed charges against Kong He and several members of their church. This would be um, City Harvest Church in Singapore regarding uh, Kong He's wife, Sun Ho, and monies that were supposedly diverted from a building fund from City Harvest Church to the tune of 50 million Singaporean dollars 
to fund the um, musical career of Sun Ho. And what was produced by Sun Ho, at least some of the stuff that's been produced, is, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, just downright raunchy. I know it's a weird story, so I apologize for the complexity of this. This almost sounds like a plot line that you would hear on, on like, one of those daytime television soap operas. But to start this off, I want to play for you a news report from Singapore. Listen in as this is the summary of what's going on there in Singapore regarding Kong Hee. So yes, plenty of action in the courts today, but I know many are waiting for one of Singapore's most anticipated trials to begin. And that's the one involving six key members of the City Harvest Church. That starts next Wednesday. Here's a quick look at some of the key players in the trial. Three years ago in May, the Commercial Affairs Department launched investigations into certain financial transactions of City Harvest Church. Two years later in June, five of its church leaders were charged in the subordinate courts. They were President of the Church's Management Board, Kong Hee, Vice President Tan Yiping, Board Member John Lam, Investment Manager Chu Wing Han, and Finance Manager Sharon Tan. A month later, Finance Manager Serena Wee became the sixth member to be charged. The six leaders are accused of committing criminal breach of trust. Five of them, Kong Hee, John Lam, Chiu Eng Han, Tan Yiping and Serena Wee, allegedly misused church building funds amounting to $24 million by channeling the money into two companies, Extron Productions and PT the First National Glassware or FERNA as bond investments. The misappropriation allegedly took place between January 2007 and October 2008. Then, four of them, Chiu Wing Han, Tan Yi Ping, Serena Wee and Sharon Tan, are said to have misappropriated some $26 million to cover up the first sum. Okay, now, j- j- just to get a little perspective here, according to this news report from News Asia, <clears throat> these people who are high-up people in the <clears throat> City Harvest Church, Kong He's Church, where Sun Ho is a also co-pastor with Kong Hee. I know it's a little confusing. They they spent $24 million. They diverted $24 million, and as you're going to hear, to support the recording career of Sun Ho, and then spent $26 million to try to cover it up. Who were they paying $26 million to to cover all of this up? They were spending more to cover it up than they spent initially. This is a weird story. The same four church leaders also face four counts of conspiracy to falsify accounts said to have happened between April and October 2009. The funds were allegedly used to boost the music career of Kong's wife, Sun Ho. So far, all parties have held their cards close to their chests. But Channel News Asia understands that the prosecution will be calling about 10 critical witnesses, while the others have yet to be confirmed. Details are not known, but accountants and individuals from Extron Inferna are expected to take the stand, with at most three witnesses slated to appear in the first tranche of the trial. All right, that's the report from News Asia kind of telling you what's going on. So, you know, we've got... 
the all of these church leaders at City Harvest Church who conspired, at least that's the charges, to divert funds to support the recording career of their <clears throat> pastor's wife and co-pastrix with uh, Kong Hee, that would be Sun Ho. Now, from the uh, transitioning.org website, there's a headline on a story that was written by Ian Donker from June 20th of the year 2010. So this is going back a few years, three years, in fact. And the uh, <clears throat> the name of the article is entitled, Sun Ho Lives in a $28,000 a month rented Hollywood mansion. The, yeah, that's right. $28,000 a month. We're talking about literally most people's annual salary. She was living in a mansion in Hollywood. Listen to this. So Ian, uh, uh, Ian Donker wrote for Transitioning.org, imagine living in a $28,000 a month rented estate where famous Hollywood celebrities such as Paris Hilton's sister, Nikki, um, uh, the of Ugly Betty, uh, she's the Ugly Betty star, American uh, Ferrara, and British singer Leona Lewis are your neighbors. If luck is on your side, you could even cross paths with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, who are also said to own a property in the vicinity. Sounds too good to be true? Well, the Hollywood Hills estate is the place where singer um, Ho Yo Sun, uh, uh, who's 40 years old, popularly known as Sun Ho, calls her home since she moved to Los Angeles for her music career. She is the wife of the Reverend Kang Hee, who is 45, and co-founder of the City Harvest Church and has been commuting between Singapore and the United States since two. 2003 <clears throat> commuting between Hollywood and Singapore. I am sure that has got to be expensive. And her rental property was $28,000 a month, a Hollywood mansion. According to the new paper, the Hollywood mansion uh, Ho has been renting for the past year is listed for sale at $7.7 million. And it's reported that Ho lives there with her five-year-old son, a Diane, an assistant, a nanny, and her relatives. The profile of residents in the neighborhood is said to comprise millionaires and high-profile business, businessmen who like the quiet, peaceful, and well-policed area with a low crime rate. The report's detailed description also indicates that the dark green Spanish Mediterranean-style building Ho is renting stands out from the rest of the properties in the area due to its large size. The estate stands on 29 thousand square feet of land or about a third of a football field it's made up of a main house three self-contained structures with uh, quarters for a butler nanny and maid not only does it boast a swimming pool a sun deck and a two-car garage its driveway still has space for another nine cars the total built-up area of the state is 67 166 square feet or about the size of a five-room HDB flats, while the uh, 4,135 square foot main house has four bedrooms. The paper also said that the housing agent in charge of the, of, of the property described Kong He's wife as Singapore's top singer and entertainer, while a neighbor said she was very sophisticated and seems traditional as she often hosts gatherings during special occasions like Chinese New Year. Back in Singapore, the couple 
also made some big property moves through the years. They started off in a five-room HDB flat in Tampin- uh, Tampanese, which was purchased at 127000 before selling it uh, for uh, $420,000. This is all Singaporean dollars. And then they moved to a unit at a Horizon Towers costing uh, $1 million in River Valley before selling it off to buy a new apartments at the suites at Central on Devonshire Road, said to be worth about $2.6 million Singaporean. Ho returned to Singapore last Monday to assist the Commercial Affairs Department in an investigation into alleged misuse of church funds. She was said to have been grilled by police for more than eight hours. Her husband, Kong Hee, recently explained his silence in a Facebook post and said, because we're in the midst of an investigation, I'm unable to provide any details about the progress besides what already has been released by the Singapore police in their statement to the press. So, I mean... Think about this, okay? Uh, Sun Ho, for years, was commuting between Hollywood and Singapore. And then in 2010, this the story was written in June of, of 2010, she had been living at that point for more than a year in a Hollywood mansion where the rent was $28,000 a month in Singaporean dollars. Um... This is, this is crazy. This is well. The this isn't Christian by any stretch of the imagination. Which then leads me to want to highlight something that, um, well, for lack of a better way of putting, requires you to um, be careful. Okay, if you go to my Museum of Idolatry website, you can find it at a littleleaven.com. A littleleaven.com. There on the website, currently, the top post or exhibit within the Museum of Idolatry is entitled Pastrick Sun Ho, also known as Geisha. Yeah, that's right, Um, a.k.a. Geisha. And the reason I say that is because during this time when all this money was being funneled from the church account supposedly, allegedly being funneled from the church account to support her singing career, she was living in Hollywood and had enough money to produce a particular video. The name of the video is called China Wine. And um, it, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's at least PG-13, maybe worse. It uh, is quite raunchy. And um, it's, uh, well, to put it this way, I've never seen a pastor's wife, yet alone someone who claims to be a pastrix, um, engaging in such, well, lewd um, dancing, you know, for, I don't even know how to put it, but if you want to, you know, risk seeing it, you can, and again, this is one of those things you've been warned, Um, it's at the Little Levin website, alittleleven.com, and I'm going to play just a little bit of the opening for you, because they hired some, like, Jamaican rappers to help with the song and they play a prominent role in the video itself and one of the rappers there introduces Sun Ho as Sun Ho aka Geisha that's her name and the dancing goes along apparently with right about now I mustn't be shown in a Bobby Condas and Jabba and we are busting new tune named Chinese Wine featuring Sun aka Geisha Wyclef Jean Asia. 
Yeah, so this, so she's been introduced by this um, Jamaican uh, rap artist as AKA Geisha. Innovation coming to your resident. Listen, me, Geisha. Me want to see pure light up. Girls, sing for the whole Okay, now, you can't see what I'm seeing, and if you want to risk seeing it, you don't even have to get 43 seconds into this um, before um, you realize nothing in this video represents Christian morals, Christian values, or behavior that is um, that demonstrates a repentant life and bearing fruit in keeping with repentance and the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, this entire video is really actually a rather vivid example of what we would biblically call the sins of the flesh. Okay. And I, that's the only way I can put it. Okay. So it's, this is what, if they are found guilty of diverting these church funds to support her musical career, this is what some of those millions of millions of millions of dollars went to help produce the China wine video. Again, this is all, oh so convoluted and of course she's living in hollywood at the time in a mansion that cost twenty eight thousand dollars a month twenty eight thousand dollars a month but here's the deal this is the weirder thing about all of this okay given that we objectively have the products that have been um put forward by sun ho aka geisha um, in her recording career, and I mean, it's there for all the world to see. Um, it's weird to me that some of the largest named, biggest named um, pastors in the South Pacific Rim, uh, at, at least within the seeker-driven you know, prosperity movement, have all banded together to encourage Pastor Kung Hee and encourage Pastrix Sun Ho Again, it makes me wonder if she's really a pastrix for the Temple of Aphrodite. But, um, and here's, listen, this is video of these pastors and their video encouragement that was played at the, the, was it, the C3 Presence Conference this year that wrapped up really just a month, two months ago. Yeah, here's Phil Pringle to introduce this. Listen in. I got some uh, pastors from around the world to bring you some greetings. Uh, before I preach here tonight, I wanted them to just say hi to you. Thank you. I'm sorry. This was at City Harvest Church. Phil Pringle was preaching there, and the, these are people he wanted to uh, provide encouragement for the folks there at City Harvest Church. That's the context of this video. Pastor Kong and City Harvest Church, I just want to say be strengthened and encouraged, knowing that all of us here are... Super- now, that's uh, Pastor Jeffrey Rockmott of Jakarta Praise Community Church in Jakarta, Indonesia. Supporting you, and we are for you, and continually praying for you. Hold on to Jesus and His Word, and respond with faith and confidence to carry you through this season. We love you, and God bless you. City Harvest Church, it's Mark Connor coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, he is the uh, pastor of City Life Church in Melbourne, Australia, Mark Connor. Just wanted you to know that Nicole and I and all of City Life Church love you very much. You're an amazing group of people, and we're inspired by your faith and all that God's doing through you there in Singapore and around the world. 
Pastor Kong and Son, we love you. We're inspired by your life and your example. Pastor Pastor Son and Pastor Kong. That would be Pastor Kong He and Pastrix Sung Ho. Yeah, <clears throat> emphasizing the word ho. Well, we want you to know that we're praying for you, believing for the best, praying for God's favor and God's blessing on your lives at this time. You've got a great history, but we believe that the future of City Harvest Church is even greater. God bless each one of you. Hey, Kong Sun, this is Paul sending my love. This is Paul Scanlon of Life Church in Bradford in the United Kingdom. Prayer, support, thoughts as you enter into this season of the trial. I know not just me, but thousands and thousands of God's people all around the world, as well as there in Singapore, are praying for and standing with you guys throughout this trial period. I just want you to know that I love you, I believe in you, I stand with you, and I pray for amazing sharpness and amazing brilliance in all your legal team too, but above all, our confidence is in God and God's vindication of you. We all know that that's going to be the outcome. I love you. So God's going to vindicate them. Wow. Um, $28,000 a month for a mansion and um, a raunchy, I mean, raunchy music video, China Wine. Yeah, God's going to vindicate them because this is all ministry stuff and wholesome Christian entertainment that they were putting together. Right. Pray for you, thinking about you. Look forward to seeing you guys soon. God bless you. Hey, Pastor Kong and Son and all. This is Casey Treat of Christian Faith Center in Seattle, Washington. All of City Harvest Church. Casey Treat here from Seattle. And I am just saying, keep your faith up. We are praying. We are believing with you. And as we keep our faith up, we will see the hand of God. I really expect in the next few weeks and months in your church and in your city, it's going to be miraculous events. I don't know how God's going to do it. We never know, do we? And we always wish the Lord would do it quicker. But I see God doing wonderful things in your lives, in your church, and in your city. I believe what the world brings against us makes us stronger, makes us... So the world is bringing this trial against Kong, He, and Sun Ho. Right. Because, you know, everybody knows they're suffering for Jesus. Bigger makes us better. And even when we feel our worst, it may be that's when we are our best. We are praying with you from Christian Faith Center in Seattle. And I know churches all over the world, as I believe in you, stand with you, we're using our faith and we keep our faith up. Using our faith for what? Hoping that the criminals get off, that the perps walk? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. And that's what... Yeah, if you just believe. We're standing on. God's going to be doing amazing, marvelous, miraculous things in the next days and weeks and months. I hope your faith is up and you're ready to receive them. Hey, City Harvest Church. And my- now, this is John Bevere. This is Lisa Bevere's husband, Lisa Bevere of, uh, you know, the uh, Linus Arising fame, Girls with Swords, that Lisa Bevere. This is her husband, John Bevere of Messenger International. My dear, dear friends, Pastor Kong and Pastor Sun. It- Pastor Kong and Pastor Sun. When you see Pastor, 
Patrick's son's video and um, and what she put together with all that money. This is again. This this is. There's nothing Christian here. It's so good to be with you, even if it's by video. You've been my Singapore family since in the mid '90s, and how Lisa and I love you all so very, very much. I know that the proceedings are beginning here very, very soon. And what God's put in my heart to speak to you is this: uh, Psalm 25, verse 21 says, "Let my integrity." And my uprightness preserve me. Um, what integrity did Sun Ho and Kong Hee express here? They are Bible twisters, and Sun Ho wants to be a raunchy secular uh, singer person. Psalm 26, verse 1 says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Um, what integrity do they have again, John? This is my prayer for you, because I know. That Pastor Kong, Pastor Sun, you have walked with the utmost of integrity before God. If they had walked in integrity before God, um, then Sun Ho would not be considered a pastor. Because that's forbidden by scripture. And before men. Therefore, it will preserve you. I know God is for you. And the Bible says this. We've heard these words a lot. But listen carefully. If God be for us, who can be against us? God is for you. He's for you, Pastor Kong. He is for you, Pastor. Why he twists God's word and Pastor Son and Pastor's son? Um, yeah, there's no redeeming qualities there. Um, they need to repent and to be forgiven of what they've done. And he is for City Harvest Church. Not only is he for you, but you have dear friends all over the world, and Lisa and I certainly are two of those friends that are for you and are believing with you. I love you so very much. I wish I could actually be there with you at this time, but I know that the Holy Spirit will minister not only strength to you, but comfort and security. God bless you all. Look forward to the next time we're together. Dear friend. Now, this is Dr. Yonggi Cho of the uh, uh, Yodo Full Gospel Church, Seoul, South Korea. If I'm not mistaken, Yonggi Cho is the... uh, guy who's the head pastor of like the world's largest church a colleague and the church growth international board member pastor Kongi. many lovely blessings and greetings to you your lovely wife son and to the tremendous congregation of the city harvest church in singapore i would like to take this opportunity to bless you and your life your words and your great ministry. We are all praying for your total victory in your time of trial. We pray that our God will be your mighty defense and your regard. We pray that all will work together for your good and for the glory of God. We pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will give you the supernatural gift and fruit of faith, perfect love, power, and a strong, clear mind. We are standing with you in love, prayer, and support. Kongi, stand strong and expect the miracle to be done in your life through. Yeah, Yonggi Cho says, stand strong and expect a miracle. Power of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> 
So, 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 these are great days. Wonderful days. Thank you very much. Musicians, you've been wonderful. All right, that was Phil Pringle uh, preaching at City Harvest Church. And that wasn't the President's Conference. That was City Harvest Church. And the uh, some of the largest church leaders in uh, the South Pacific region uh, there to encourage Pastor Kong Hee and Pastrick's Sun Ho. And again, th- there's just something way, way, way off here from the $28,000 a month mansion in Hollywood to the commuting back and forth between Hollywood and Singapore to the video China wine. This, this doesn't even remotely sound or look like biblical Christianity or the actions and behavior of anybody who is truly repentant of their sins and trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and preachers of the biblical gospel of the forgiveness of sins won by Christ Jesus on the cross, and then bearing fruit in keeping with that repentance. This all has, well, the makings of an interesting story. In fact, I get the feeling that what we're seeing here in this particular story is really nothing more than the tip of the iceberg. This is big. Why is it big? Because some of the biggest names have all come to defend and pray for and encourage Kong Hee and Sun Ho. Why? Why? I mean, in a biblical church with real accountability, this kind of stuff would have resulted in, um, at minimum, a suspension and a defrocking until the trial was over. But everyone is there to claim Victory in faith and a miracle for Kong Hee and, and Pastrick's son Ho. And yet, when I look at what these people have produced and put forward in the, quote, name of Jesus and other things, it doesn't even have much of a Christian veneer on it at all. They are living the, well, the prosperity heresy they're, 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 they're trying to live it. They're living it out. They're taking action on the prosperity heresy and living it out. And looks like um, it was very expensive. And uh, no, regardless of how much money they pumped into uh, Sun Ho's uh, recording career, um, it looks like uh, she needed um, more money to uh, live the extravagant, extravagant um, prosperity dream, if you would. Yeah, strange Stuff indeed. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back, a good sermon, a good Christ centered, Christocentric sermon from Pastor Jervis Nicholas Edward Charmley. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Jesus did not die for your 401k. 
You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Purchased your airline tickets for your summer getaway yet? If not, don't pay more for your airfare, hotel room, or rental car than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air is your one-stop shop for all of your travel needs. And we've got a special promo code for you to use at Cheapo Air to save an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, then click on the web banner and book your travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That website address, again, is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. And thank you for your support. Cowabunga. Come in. What was I just doing, you might ask? Well, I just conquered the outer rim planet of Pico Pond with my trusty double-barreled nuclear plasma cannon. Well, I just did in this video game. But how is it possible for someone like myself to play 13 hours straight and not get a headache? It's quite simple, really. It's because I wear gunners. When I'm rocking these babies, I'm unstoppable. They're not limited to just games, mind you. Oh, no! I rock the spreadsheet, the PowerPoint, the word processor, and when that's all done, I hop my T-16 and fry me some toasters. If you want to get in on the action, then head over to piratechristianradio.com forward slash gunners. You gotta see it to believe it. Okay, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to review a good sermon. Pay close attention to who this sermon is really about. It's not life tips to you experiencing excellence or dreaming your destiny or anything like that. It's exegetical, based upon a biblical text, and the punchline is wonderful. Watch how he transitions into Jesus from this Old Testament text. But let's do this right. The 
the good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's great sermon comes to us via Bethel Evangelical Free Church, Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent in the United Kingdom. Pastor Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley presiding. The name of the sermon is entitled, The Wages of Sin. The biblical text that forms the basis of this sermon is 2 Kings chapter 23 verses 31 through chapter 40, uh, 24, sorry, 24 verse 20. You will note, Pastor Charmley begins by reading the biblical text. Great thing to do. He then, from there, starts to explain what the text is all about details historically fills them in tells you what's going on how this came about and then wonderfully and beautifully shows us how jesus factors into this text and as a result of it makes this text all about what jesus has done for us it's brilliant and in contrast to what we've been hearing from the anthropocentric bible twisters this is biblical christianity that you're going to hear what they've been preaching satanic deception that's it putting it lightly so let me go ahead and kill the music without any further ado here is pastor gervais nicholas edward charmley and his sermon the wages of sin here we go our scripture reading this evening is found in second book of kings chapter 23 verse 31 through chapter 24 and verse 20 that is Second Kings twenty three thirty one to twenty four twenty. In the preceding section of, uh, of chapter twenty three, we have read of King Josiah and the reformation that he sought to make in the land of Judah, and all that he did. Yet, of course, the great tragedy is that it is all that he did, and nobody else. At last, God took him that he might not see the events that we are about to read of. So, Second Kings 23:31. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. Now Pharaoh Necho put him in prison at Riblah in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem. And he imposed on the land a tribute of one hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in place of his father. His father Josiah changed his name to Jehoiakim. And Pharaoh took Jehoahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. So Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh. But he taxed the land to give money according to the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold from the people of the land, from every one according to his assessment, to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebuda, the daughter of Pedaiah of Rumah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. 
In his days Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him, and the Lord sent against him raiding bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, and bands of the people of Ammon. He sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servants the prophets. Surely at the commandment of the Lord this came upon Judah, to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, but also because of the innocent blood that he had shed, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood which the Lord would not pardon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. And the king of Egypt did not come out of his land any more, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city, as his servants were besieging it. Then Jehoiachin, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes, and his officers went out to to the king of Babylon, and the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. And he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as the Lord had said. Also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains, and all the mighty men of valor, ten thousand captives, and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land. And he carried Jehoiachin captive to Babylon. The king's mother, the king's wives, his officers, and the mighty of the land, he carried the captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. All the valiant men, seven thousand, and craftsmen and smiths, one thousand, All who were strong and fit for war, these the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. Then the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiachin's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was twenty-one years old when he became king, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. But because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem and Judah, that he finally cast them out of his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. We trust God to bless the solemn portion of his holy word. Our text this evening is found in 2 Kings chapter 24 and verse 12. Then Jehoiachin, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes and his officers went out to the king of Babylon. 
And the king of Babylon in the eighth year of his reign took him prisoner. We have here these last couple of chapters of the whole of the kings. We have something that makes very difficult reading at times. Something that is not in and of itself uplifting because it is the account of sin and its punishment. It is the law. And the law comes to us as it comes to all sinners with a word of condemnation. And yet we are to hear in this little verse that is our text something of hope. They went out to the king. They surrendered to the king of Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar who was God's instrument. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar was quite unaware of the fact and yet he was God's instrument. The man God was using and to surrender to him implied at least a surrender to God. God is the judge of all the earth. God is the one who punishes sin, who judges wickedness. And there is in that great hope as we look at a world full of wickedness. For if God did not judge, if God did not punish sin, then sin would undermine and destroy the universe itself. If God did not restrain the wickedness of man, then mankind would cease from the earth. And though this is the final act of the book of Kings, it is not the final act in the history of God's people. There too is hope. The Bible does not end with 2 Kings 25. It ends with the book of Revelation, with the new heavens and earth. It does not end with the judgment. It ends with the kingdom of God's righteousness filling the earth. And yet here we have the fall. Here at the end of chapter 24 we have the stroke of judgment about to come down. And we see in this section the rottenness of man. The rebellion of man's heart, the ruin that sin brings, ah, yet there is hope at the end, for there is one more king after Zedekiah, only one, mind you, of David's line, who is not in this book, but who is in other books, and who is seated on David's throne today. We see the rottenness of man. Josiah was a godly man. Josiah was a man in whose heart burned the desire to glorify God. And to show to people the greatness of God and to bring the people back to God. And yet, he failed. 
He failed. There was not lacking in Josiah's zeal. There was not lacking in Josiah love for God. There was not lacking in him anything that was needful in a king of the people of God. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way that his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And he devoted his life to destroying idols, to promoting the worship of God. And he failed. And his very children, his sons, did not love God, but walked in all the ways of sinful Israel and embraced all the wickedness Josiah had sought to drive out of the land. And there is a deep mystery here. Why is it that people can be faithful? Why is it that God's people can go on and on and on, year after year after year, and see no fruit for their labours. And yet it happened with Josiah. He did all he could, and yet he failed. And the fault was not in him, but the fault was in sinful man. For the heart, the human heart, is the source of evil. The prophet Jeremiah, who lived at these very days, wrote, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And our Lord, looking upon mankind, speaking about that which defiles when he was confronted with people talking about how men must keep the law and be careful what they eat be careful they do not break the food laws and so on and so forth Jesus said what comes out of a man that defiles a man for from within out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts adulteries, fornications murders, thefts covetousness, wickedness deceit, lewdness and evil eye blasphemy, pride, foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile a man why is our nation in such a state? Because it is a nation full of sinners who do not recognize their sin. I suspect that you, like me, you had the same reaction I did listening to that barrister on the radio who was saying that the most vile acts perpetrated against children were not that serious trying to excuse sin and you see that is the problem when it comes down to it we seek to excuse sin barrister on the news who was trying to excuse the behaviour of these celebrities who have been found out to have been abusing trust doing terrible things to little children and yet 
somehow, for some reason, I can only suppose that she has so taken up with these celebrities and so wishes to preserve the memory of these people and the good that they did and the entertainment they brought that she is willing to minimize sin. You see, we do that so often to ourselves, though it is a little thing. And our society does it so much. And we are not innocent of it. For every human being we are capable of almost infinite self-deception. And we say, oh it is not serious. Oh it is nothing much. And yet the rottenness is there and it is welling up. And rather than confessing sin, we have almost removed sin and evil from our vocabulary in this nation. How hard it is to speak of evil. How hard it is to bring that concept before our people today. And yet, evil exists. And evil is found in our very hearts. It is not that these people who do great evil things are monsters. But that they have given in to impulses sometimes impulses that we ourselves have felt and yet not acted upon yet they have acted or they have seized power we see what's happening in Syria now and it should distress us and how what began as a call for liberty has become a battle between rival, oppressive, totalitarian visions. And all this has come in a nation that was quite stable, a nation with an organized government, and anarchy is loosed upon the world, out of the heart of man. People hear the, of the, all the evil in the world and some say, well, how is it that God allows all this? How is it that man allows all this? How is it that people give free reign to their wicked desires and yet we are none of us innocent? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we see the rottenness here, man who hates God. Josiah says, we must serve the Lord. And his sons say, never, never. We will follow our own desires. We shall be our own kings. And yet we see this, this chapter is so difficult to read, in part because evil is so dull, and so repulsive, and so horrible. Satan and the world would have you believe that evil is exciting, that evil is romantic, that evil is exciting and good is dull. I tell you, the opposite is true. Oh, there are pleasures in sin, yes. What does the writer of the Hebrews say of Moses? That Moses refused what? To enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because, you see, the pleasures of sin are only for a season. 
The excitement is only for a season. And then, then there is destruction. Then there is only a dreary eternity of hell. Hell is not exciting. Hell is terrible. Hell is the opposite of pleasure, the absence of pleasure, the presence of torment, and yet it is dull. It is horrible. It is vile. And that is what sin brings. And evil in this world even, at the last, ruins those who plunge into it. Ruined these kings, every one of them, had a reign that was terrible for themselves and for others in the end. The reality is, you see, that it is goodness that is exciting. Not some milk and water idea, but true goodness. For we see true goodness in the Lord Jesus. Was there ever a life more inspiring than his? Was there ever a life more exciting than his? Was there ever a life more full than his, though it was short? For if it was a life on earth devoted to goodness, devoted, he went around doing good. He went around helping. And in the end, such a life is the life that people read about. We do not enjoy reading books about wicked people. Not if you take the whole life of a wicked man, but the life of those who have lived for Christ, who have done all for him. They are lives that are worthwhile. And every other life is wasted. Goodness is exciting. Goodness, Christianity, is the true life of excitement. Life to its full, not excitement as the world sees it, of course. For the world's ideas of excitement are so often twisted and distorted. But a life devoted to Christ, that is the thing. That finds its joy in Christ, that finds its all in Christ. That is a life that is worthwhile. A life of sin leads to the worst of ends. There was no, there was no romance in the imprisonment of Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz is dragged off in chains to Egypt and perishes miserably in a dungeon. You compare the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul and Silas singing psalms at midnight in the prison or the imprisonment of our own John Bunyan in that prison writing that immortal allegory, the pilgrim's progress that shall last as long as the English language. What was the difference Jehoahaz was imprisoned for his evil? But Paul and Silas and Bunyan for their good. And then we see the rebellion. 
This is the root of sin, you see. Sin is, the Apostle John says, lawlessness. That is the refusal to be bound by any law outside yourself. Sin is the idea that I can do what I please without reference to any law, without reference to any ruler, without reference to any lawgiver. And it is a delusion. For no man, the poet says, is an island. And not one of us lives to himself or herself alone. Not one of us can say that we do not need others. Every human being is reliant upon others and all rely upon God. And yet sinful man says, I will not have anyone to rule over me. I will not have God to rule over me. And sinful man declares that he will be free from God and ah, then he plunges himself into the utmost slavery to sin. For make no mistake, we must have a master. We must have a ruler. We must belong to one or the other, to God or to sin. And God is not a tyrant. That is the devil's lie. The devil says God is a tyrant. That's what the devil said to Adam and Eve in the garden. God wants to keep you from the tree of life, not for your good. Or to keep you out from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, not for your good. But God knows, the devil says, Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God's afraid of you. God is jealous of you. God doesn't want you to rival him. And so Satan sows in the hearts of man the delusion that you will be as God. That you can be like God, that you can scale the heights of heaven and topple God from his throne. Ah, but here you see is the, the irony of it all. If every human being is trying to be God, then each is designed to lord it over everybody else. And then you have total chaos. What is causing this awful civil war in Syria? I, well, the obvious answer is this, that what lies at the root is the desire to be master. And you have on the one hand Assad and his party and they desire to be the masters. And then you have the Islamists and they desire to be the masters. And then you have all the other factions and groups and all desire to be the masters. And what are the results? Anarchy, chaos, slaughter, a total setting at naught of every rule of civilized society. And that is what sin brings about. Slaughter, bloodshed, and every manner of evil. But God is no tyrant. God is love. God gives himself away. When God made man, he breathed his own breath into mankind. He made man in his own image to enjoy fellowship with him. 
And yet we, we listen to the deceiver who said, God is a tyrant, and thus created of ourselves so many tyrants, and thus raised up the great tyrant of sin, that lord it over mankind, and keeps mankind enslaved. And sin in the heart leads to treachery. Not only against God, but against other people. You see here, these kings these kings who became vassals of Babylon and then rebelled against Babylon. Jehoiakim became a vassal of Nebuchadnezzar, paid him tribute and then rebelled against him. Even as he rebelled against God, whose vassal he was. Jehoiachin rebelled against Babylon, even as he rebelled against God, and he too was removed. Zedekiah, well he was Mataniah to begin with, and Nebuchadnezzar changed his name to Zedekiah. And Nebuchadnezzar did that to say to Mataniah, you are now my vassal. And I may change your very name at my will, and your throne you owe to me. And that was true. So it was. And yet, Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. They treated Babylon as they treated God, and they forgot that Babylon is never as forgiving as God is. But there is no grace in Babylon. There is no forgiveness with Babylon. But there is instead destruction. So we come to the ruin, for sin leads to judgment. And judgment is not some impersonal principle. But it is God, the judge of all the earth, who pours out his wrath against sinners. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all, and he cannot abide sin. He cannot keep sin in his universe forever without punishing it. He is patient, but he is not weak. And there, you see, was the great error of these kings. There is the great error of impenitent man. Is saying, God is weak. God has not punished sin. He never will. And these kings said, God has not punished us. God spoke these words of condemnation. They haven't come to pass. God is weak. God cannot judge us. And then... God judged them. And they found too late that God means what he says. And he cast the sinner into outer darkness. Jehoahaz is cast into the dungeon in Egypt. And there he perishes miserably. And the nation is ripened for wrath 
And in chapter 25, the floodgates are opened, the wrath of God poured out upon them. Sin cannot stand the light and is ruined and cast into outer darkness. Those who love their sin, who cling to their sin, who hate God, stand against him, are cast into that same outer darkness. But there is hope. Jehoiachin went out to the king of Babylon. And we find at the very end of the book, chapter 25, verse 27, it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 27th day of that month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, released Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from prison. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed from his prison garments, and yet he read regularly before the king all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king, a portion for each day, all the days of his life. He went out to the king of Babylon. And there is, as I have said, another king who is not in this book. One more king in the line of David. All the other kings in the line of David are in this book. But this whole book points to the king who is coming to reign. The king who the author had never seen. Whom the author would not see upon the earth. The king who was to be born in Bethlehem. King Jesus. King of the Jews. Born to David's house in David's city of David's line. And we sang that hymn of Mr. West, Is come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. That is the king we need. For we come in history and we stand outside of this very city, Jerusalem. We see Jehoiachin coming out of Jerusalem. And we go on centuries and we see another king coming out of Jerusalem. This one does not come out to be put in chains. He comes out bearing his cross. He comes out not because he is forced to come out but because he desires to come out and he comes out not for his own sins as Jehoiachin came out but he, came, he comes out for our sins and that cross beam that he carries upon his shoulders laid upon it are the weight, is the weight of all the sins of the world laid upon it is the weight of your sin and my sin and he carries it up a hill and he is nailed to a cross and he is lifted up there to die and he cries out as darkness comes upon him my God, my God why have you forsaken me? 
There he is, as it were, in the outer darkness. There he is with the condemnation of God resting upon him. Yet this man has done nothing wrong. He is holy, holier than Josiah, holier than Hezekiah. He is altogether holy, and yet he is dying and suffering. And he cries out, it is finished, and the veil of the temple, that veil that speaks of human sin, is torn in two, and it is parted. That veil that kept us out of the most holy place, out of the throne room of God, is torn apart. And we may enter, and we may come. And he has borne that bitter sentence. He has borne the penalty. Jesus of Nazareth has died. He has died knowing the rottenness of our hearts. Knowing the rebellion. He has died to take it all away. He died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us God. That we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. This is the king who is coming to reign. This is the king who has gone out of the city, bearing our sins. And we too are called to go out to him now. As Jehoiachin went out to surrender, so we go out to surrender our sins and ourselves. So we go forth outside of the camp, outside of the city to Jesus, to his cross. And there we lay ourselves down. And there we find not, as Jehoiachin found, captivity and chains. But there we find that he strikes off our fetters, he takes away our chains and sets us free. For he is born to do that and he does it by his cross. By his cross he has given freedom and life and liberty to all who believe upon his name. And we would believe. And we would look to him. And we would know an end to all the dullness and dreariness of sin. And have that darkness done away with by his glorious light. And all the wonder of it is, as Binny says, the sons, the sons of sinfulness and night may dwell in the eternal light, through the eternal life. Oh, let us then come to the cross. However many times we have done it before, let us do it now. And look to him, to whom we are ever coming. As to what he truly is, the only saviour of mankind, the only sacrifice, the only one who has suffered, the only king of kings and lord of lords. And let us indeed receive him and in him all life and liberty and light and to him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. See the difference? 
What'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>